My name is Matt Miller, the campus pastor of New City Church Shawnee, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today, and a special thanks to those who give financially to New City. Your giving makes this podcast possible. Now, I hope today's message inspires you to trust in and live like Jesus. If it does, I want to encourage you to click and subscribe to our podcast, share it on social media, maybe even send it to a friend in need. Man, enjoy today's message. tell you maybe a funny story. It's a memory that I have. Uh, When I was a little boy, uh, me and my two younger sisters, we had a contest that we always played. And my kids do this too. In this contest, uh, always, no, you didn't have to announce it, but whenever there was an elevator presence, present, there was a game that was about to take place. Maybe you played this game when you were little. And the game is, who got to push the button? You guys remember playing this when you were little? If you had siblings, I know, I know you fought over who got to push that round thing that would light up. Am I, am I just, are we all on the same page? Now, if you were the only kid, blessed are you, because you always got to do it, right? But if you had siblings, like this was like, and, and then you were really living right if you got to push the inside buttons, because there's a bunch more of those, right? So yeah, pretty good if you got to push the door open one. But man, if you got to push the floor, then woo, you are living right, right? So um, this contest of ours went off the rails in Memphis, Tennessee when we were really little. And on that day, uh, we see the elevator, and man, it's just, we take off, right? Three little kids running, running, running. The door opens, three little kids rush inside, and my youngest sister, Kristen, right, just starts pushing buttons. And you know what happens when you push the buttons? The doors close. (laughs) And all of a sudden, the doors close, and the thing starts going up, and then the doors open, and guess who's not there? Mom and dad. Mom and dad aren't as quick as me, Allison, and Kristen, and they never made it up to the elevator. And we didn't understand floors. We didn't understand the concepts of elevators. We just knew it was fun to push buttons. And so when the doors open and there's no mom and mom and daddy, three little kids in Memphis, Tennessee lost our heads. Because, you know, she didn't push one button. She pushed them all because they're pretty. It's like Elf, you know? You know? You see that movie, Elf? Doors open again. No mom, no dad. Now, thank goodness my mom and dad had the presence of mind to just stay. Just stay right there, and we'll eventually get back down. And you know what? Now, here's the memory. When those doors opened, we all three got spankings because of my sister Kristen. That's not fair, is it? <laughs> a memory from a long time ago. Now, I think that could often describe our spiritual story, not the spanking part maybe. But oftentimes, we get in so a hurry. We, like, God kind of tells you something, or maybe you're seeking the Lord, and all of a sudden, you get a glimpse of, oh, wow, he's solving this. And it's like you see that elevator, and you just take off after it. And you're focused on that thing that God has said or God has revealed, and you're chasing after it, and then you just get in and start pressing buttons because you're so excited. And the elevator begins to move, life begins to happen, and when you know it, the door's open, and God's nowhere to be found. Where, God, where are you? God, where are you? And then, you know, again, God is smart, and he has the presence of mind to say, I'm going to stay right here, and you're welcome to join me and walk with me at any time. Like, I would love to get on the elevator with you, Right? That's today's big idea. I want us to kind of start here. The big idea for today is God is always at work around you. What's those next words? How, how do you guys know that? It's not even up there. You guys are it's on the app. There we go. God is always at work around you. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Today we're going to continue our series of perspectives. And there's three uh, primary characters in Mark chapter 5, four counting Jesus. You have Jesus, you have uh, Jairus, you have the disciples, the 12 disciples, and then you have the woman who has the issue of bleeding. We're going to talk about her next week. Today we're going to look at this story, Mark 5, through the perspective of the disciples and how they almost missed a miracle because they were focused 
on the mission. They were focused on what God had said. If you have your Bibles or your favorite Bible app, turn to Mark chapter 5, verse 21. We're going to start there. And this is what we read. When Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the sea. Jesus is popular. By Mark 5, Jesus has got a following. He is, he is well-known, right? He's, it's not a secret ministry. He is well-known. He's got a crowd. Every time he shows up, there's a crowd around him. One of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, my little daughter is dying. Come and lay your hands on her so that she can get well and live. That's what we talked about last week, if you want to listen to the podcast. So Jesus went with him, and a large crowd was following and pressing against him. Now, I want to set this up from the disciples' perspective. When they see Jairus come and fall at Jesus' feet, and Jairus was a synagogue leader, this was a very, very, very big deal. Big, big deal. Here's why it was a big deal. The synagogue was the, I guess the best way for us to understand it would be, it was their local church. But it, it played a much, there wasn't a lot of synagogues in one town that had been a synagogue. There would have been one place of worship. And in that synagogue is where the discipleship would have happened for the local community, the local Jewish community. It's where they would have uh, been taught the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament. And it's also where they would have been taught the, the books of the prophets. And then discussion would have happened. And those discussions would have been led by their synagogue leaders, also called rabbis. And so these were people who had come up through that synagogue system, leadership pipeline, who were those who spoke on behalf of God to the people of the community. The synagogues aren't bad. It kind of sounds like a bad word. Synagogue? Sin? It's not bad, right? Like Jesus belonged to a local synagogue. The disciples belonged to a local synagogue. Not only did they belong, they would have been very active in learning and participating and going to worship at their local synagogue. It wasn't a bad thing. But when Jesus' ministry takes off, Jesus is doing a ministry, and he's doing things outside of the leadership of the synagogue, and these are the men who have a problem with Jesus because he seems to be rebellious. He seems to be going against what God says. Um, one of the, I think, a, a current uh, illustration or a current uh, program that we have that really, uh, in season one, shows a great, how this relationship happens really, really well is The Chosen. Raise your hand if you've, if you've seen any of The Chosen. Just a few hands. I'm telling you, what, it's, it's free. Download if you want to watch it for free. It's a, you watch it through your app. It's not on a TV channel. Like You don't have to have HBO Max. or You don't have to have any of those. It's an app. But The Chosen, it's not cheesy. I'm telling you, man, The Chosen is fantastic, and it does a great job of disp uh, just showing how Jesus and the local religious leaders uh, worked with each other. I've watched the season one twice, and I, I can't talk about this thing enough like I sense the Holy Spirit moving in me when I watch this thing. That's just my personal experience. I'm a huge, huge fan. It's called The Chosen, and they do a great job of the synagogue leadership and the ministry of Jesus and how, and how they begin to kind of rub each other uh, poorly. So you have 12 guys, the disciples, and Jesus who are a part of a local synagogue, but they haven't been through the synagogue's leadership pipeline. But yet they have this ministry that's happening that's actually getting more attention than the local church. And so why this is a big deal is you have this religious leader, Jairus, who is the leader of the local synagogue, who is might be, maybe frustrated at this ministry of Jesus because he has such a large crowd. People want to go there. People want to be around him. That now all of a sudden this spiritual leader is running to the feet of Jesus' rabbi, Rabbi Jesus, and he's fallen at his feet. And what he's doing when he falls at his feet is really big. Because Jairus is asking Jesus to do something that only Jairus would believe that God could do. My little girl is dying. Lay hands on her so that she will get well. He believed, 
And we believe, as, follow, as people, of, as children of God, only God can do such things. And so when the spiritual leader of the synagogue Jewish system is running to rebel Rabbi Jesus' feet and saying, hey, I believe that you can help my little girl, the disciples are excited. It's a big deal because it's going to validate their life finally. See, somewhere along the way, the disciples were told they weren't good enough to be a rabbi, to be a leader in the synagogue. Somewhere along the way, somebody looked at Peter, James, and John and said, hey, listen, you guys are really good, but you're not cut out for this. You need to go be fishermen with your pops. You need to be fishermen with your pops. You ever wonder why these guys just drop their nets and follow Jesus right away? It's because they got a rabbi saying, come follow me, when all along their life they've been told, hey, you're not spiritual enough, you're not smart enough, you're not good enough to be a rabbi in our leadership pipeline. And Jesus says, hey, will you come follow me? Yes, sir. I want to learn. And that's the invitation for all of us, by the way. Like, you don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to go to Christian school to be a minister in the kingdom of God. You don't even have to work at a church. You don't have to have the title of pastor to be on the, on the mission field, the ministry field, as a follower of Jesus. Jesus extends the invitation to every one of us here. Hey, come, follow me. And we get to say yes. You say, well, you don't know my backstory. You don't know mine. Don't assume that this dude up here is perfect, you make a bad, bad, bad assumption. And so it's kind of like if you're wanting to get married and your idea is, well, when I have enough money, I'll ask him or I'll ask her. Or if you're wanting to have, start a family, you say, well, when I have enough money, then I'll start. You're never going to have those things, right? It's sometimes you just follow what your heart is calling you to do. And then Jesus, like, it's not about, hey, you get your life figured out first and then come follow me. It's, hey, would you just follow me? And then Jesus teaches us how to live, and he increases our faith, and he begins a new work in us. And when Jairus falls at the feet of Jesus, the disciples are like, yes, finally, this dude's about to see what our rabbi Jesus can do, and we're going to be in the club. It's a big deal for these guys. They're about to be in, and so they take off. Let's notice what happens next. So Jairus is rushing Jesus back to his home. The disciples are quickly following with him. In verse 25, on the way, now a woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years had endured much under many doctors. She had spent everything she had and was not helped at all. On the contrary, she became worse. Having heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his clothing. For she said, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be made well. Instantly, her flow of blood ceased, and she sensed in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Immediately, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? Notice the disciples' response in verse 31. His disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing against you, and yet you say, who touched me? That's the biblical way of them saying, really? What? We got to go. Like, we, we, can we figure this out after lunch? Like, can we go take care of this? And then we'll circle back to who who everybody's trying to touch you, Jesus. Verse 32. But he was looking around to see who who had done this. There was something specific. Next week, we're going to study this. The woman who, with fear and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Jesus' response, daughter, your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be healed from your affliction. Pretty cool. The disciples don't understand anything that's happening here. They are focused on the elevator. They've got their eyes set on Jairus, his little girl, and getting through the crowd and getting to his home because Jesus has said, let's go. And so, man, they're going, and they can't wait to push the button. 
They don't have time to slow down. They don't have time to get distracted. They don't have time to deal with the crowd. I mean, they're bustling, they're following, they're hustling because they've got to do what God has asked them to do. Sometimes this happens in our life. You feel, you believe, and you're rightfully so that God has said something specifically to you. Help this, give this, serve this, love this, uh, participate in this. Like you feel called, you feel led that God is going to, right? And you're focused on that. And that's not bad. I'm not telling you to let go of that. Here is my encouragement to you that we can learn from the disciples this morning. They're going to build upon one another. Number one is this. There will be moments when Jesus invites you to join him along the way. There will be moments when Jesus invites you to join him along the way. There was a time when Jesus called me, asked me and my wife Jen to plant this church called New City Church. And man, we were focused on it. I mean, and, and we did it, by the way. You guys are here. Yay, Matt and Jen, right? We accomplished what God put on our heart. We were focused on it. But what we discovered was between God saying, hey, this is what I want you to do, and it actually happened. A lot of ministry happened along the way, okay? Number two that I want you to realize from this story, we often see this ministry along the way as distractions, a lot of times when you're focused on what God has asked you to do, called you to do, everything else between point A and point B is seen as a distraction in your life. It, it, it's slowing you down. It's messing you up. It's, it, it's keeping you from the elevator, right? And leads us to number three. It is our opportunity to see these not as distractions, but actually as ministry. That frustrated sibling that you have, that annoying coworker, that boss, those employees, that neighbor, um, um, that, that, that sister, that brother, that son, that daughter, that aunt and uncle, that thing right now in your life that is driving you bonkers and is a distraction that's keeping you from whatever it is, very well could be a person who is trying to touch Jesus, but you're the closest thing they've got. I don't know. And oftentimes we're missing the ministry right in front of us because we're looking past that distraction to what God has called us to do. And my ask of us this morning is to slow down, don't rush too far ahead, and allow the Lord, allow the Lord to speak to you step by step. And some of you just thought of NSYNC or whatever that group was, right? right? But to slow down and think about what God is inviting you in right now and not miss it. I want to share one of these stories with you that happened to me way back. And it's what I refer to often as the first time God did this for me uh, on the church planning journey. Uh, the church had started, uh, but we were very, in our early, early days, uh, we were over in the theater, and it was pre uh, what it is now. Like there was still a lot of stuff that hadn't been completed. Our offices were uh, in the building that became Kid City. But that's where we started out. And I remember one day I was the last one in the office and I was leaving. I was ready to get home to Jen and the kids. And I'm, I'm sure Jen was ready for me to get home and help with our twins and Luke. And I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm in a rush. And I get in my uh, truck at the time and I back out of the spot. And as I back out, there is this brown like Lincoln Town car. You know, like the, my grandmother had one of these. It was yellow. And I caught like the big yellow banana. It was a huge car. You know those kind of big old Lincoln cars that are just massive? And it was a, but it was brown and it was filthy. And as I was backing out, the the passenger there was a, the passenger door was closed. But there was a there was a guy standing next to the passenger side door, and he, he was like facing the window. If this was the car, and so when I back out, I just I'm looking at his backside, okay. 
And as I back out, I notice that this guy, his backside, he's wearing khakis. His backside is filthy. Like he, he's gone, he's gone poo-poo in his pants, as we would say in our house when the kids were little. Grown man. And as I back out, I mean, I clearly see this mess. And I wish I had something very spiritual, but this is, I'll tell you the truth. As I was backing out, I said, wow, Lord, you make all kinds. It's not very Jesus-like, is it? But that's what I said. I back out. I said, wow, Lord, you make all kinds. And I back out and I take off. And I don't even get out of the parking lot. And I remember that I left my computer bag in the office. So, you know, I turn back around. I pull back in, same exact spot I was at. Rush in, get my computer bag. Rush back out. Deja vu, repeating this whole thing over. And this time as I back out, the guy's still there by the car. But this time the car door is now open. And he's standing there. The car door is open and the window's down. And there's a guy in the passenger seat with his foot propped up through the window. Like, he's got it elevated. And as I'm backing out, still got the guy there in his messy pants. But I noticed this guy's foot is wrapped in bandages. And you can see, like, like blood. Not, not, not a lot, but you can tell that there's some red, there's red spotting through the bandage. And so I back out, and I'm, I'm leaving. And so now my truck's like this, and their car's in the spot. So we're like that. And, man, I just stop. Like, something comes over me, and I just stop. And I roll down my window, and I say, hey. And the guy with the messy pants turns around, and I said, is your friend okay? Right? Now, I'm not a doctor, and I love it when people say that, because I always go, really, you're not a doctor? Um, but I'm not a doctor, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn last night. But I was, well, I don't know what I'm going to do with his foot is what I'm saying. Like, I, I'm, I'm stopping to see if his friend's okay, but I have no idea how I could be of any help, other than maybe to call 911, right? But I'm not even thinking that. I just see this guy's foot. And I'm in a hurry to get home, but it just, it just stopped. It doesn't matter. And I say, hey, uh, is your friend's foot okay? And the guy turns around, and he walks up to my truck, and he says, no. And at this time, the guy has gotten out of the car also with a hurt foot, and he's hobbled to my truck, my truck window. And I'm like, hey, man, what's up with your foot? I can't remember what he tells me. He tells me something. He, he cut it on something. And so I said, do you, do you have any shoes to wear? And he, he I mean... He's a grown dude, and you could tell that question was a little bit of a, a sh an embarrassment. And he, put, he drops his head, and he just he shakes his head no. I'm like, okay. And so, um, this is weird, but I just, I just took off my shoes. I just took off my shoes, and I, I said, here, take mine. And he goes, I'm not taking your shoes. I said, dude, you're taking my shoes. And I, I gave him the shoes through the window, and the guy who had the mess in his pants, he said, man, we're both Army vets, and life has just been really hard. I said, well, I said, man, here's what I want you to know is God is putting a church in this uh, community that cares for you and that I want you to know that he sees you and that he loves you. And, you know, they're he's got tears and I'm fighting them back. And, and that was the moment. And I, and I drove off. I mean, I drove back home with no shoes on. No, not a big deal. And I walk into my wife and I'm like, well, I gave my shoes away today. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, whatever, you know. And, um, but he here's the thing. It started as a distraction. Man, Lord, you make all kinds. And my heart, my heart wasn't ready. My heart wasn't ready to be able to be a minister. My heart wasn't ready to be able to serve because I was focused on just what was the next thing on my calendar, the next thing that I needed to get done. But man, God gave me a redo. God gave me a mulligan. God gave me an opportunity to circle back. 
And man, all, all I could ask of you today is how might you slow down and how might you, maybe it's the thing that makes you shake your head and go, wow, Lord, you make all kinds. I don't know. Maybe it's the thing that you're currently frustrated by, that it's, it's, the, it's the messy pants person in your life that you're just like, oh my gosh. Maybe that's the person that God is saying, hey, I need you to minister to. So, hey, man, as you're focused on planning this church and starting this ministry and doing all this good, don't neglect to see the ministry that's going to happen along the way. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Now, um, you should feel underqualified. Because some of us in this room, like, like, I'm not qualified to do that. I'm not, I don't know what I would say. Listen, I didn't know what I would say either. That was spirit-led. I didn't stop my car going, I'm about to give this guy my shoes. I had no idea what was going to happen. By the way, I have other pairs of shoes. And I think in our ministry, God wants to allow you to bless other people out of your excess, out of your extra. And by the way, he got my best pair of shoes. That was the only frustrating. But that's, a good, that's an okay thing, right? I bought a new pair since then. But it was out of my excess that God allowed me to meet a need in somebody's life. So maybe time, it may be money, it may be shoes, right? But it's something that you have that God has said, hey, I'm going to give you extra so that you can give it away to the people that I've put in your life. But if we're so busy and we're so focused on that elevator, we're so focused on that thing that we believe God's called us, that we miss ministry along the way. And I'm just saying, hey, slow down. Slow down. Seek the Lord and see what he might be inviting you to do along this crazy, crazy spiritual journey. Amen? Now, I don't know what God wants to say to you in that, but it's a constant reminder to me. Like, I can't miss you because I'm focused on masks today. I can't miss you and what God wants to do in you because I'm thinking about 100,000 pounds of fruit and veggies, which look at me, I never think about fruit and veggies, right? (laughs) But it's so easy to get focused on the next thing that you miss the people. Ministry is always people. Can I say that to you again? Ministry is always people. Moms and dads, don't miss your sons and your daughters because you're focused on other things. Ministry starts at home. Husbands and wives, don't miss each other because you're focused on other things. Ministry starts at home. Your best friends, your closest relationships, don't miss them because that ministry starts those closest to you. Like, what is God wanting to use you for to impact those immediately in front of you? And today I want you to know that you've been prayed for. The worship team, the tech team, myself, our other leaders, we sat in this room and we prayed for you specifically today. I actually sat right where Mary, uh, Mary Cobb is sitting. And I prayed for healing right there, Mary, where you were sitting. And I saw Michael sitting back here and Curtis was sitting over. I mean, we, we all spread out and we, and we prayed for you because we don't want to get so caught up in pulling off this Sunday morning church that we miss the people. People are always the ministry. And we serve out of our excess. And so you come today and maybe we fill you up with the worship and with the teaching. And then we as missionaries, we as ministers, we leave this place and we go into our neighborhoods, and we go into our workplaces and we go into our families and we are the overflow. And we pour ourselves out. But God keeps pouring into us. Father, we can be so stiff-necked and we can be so (sighs) aggravating. Jesus, thank you that you were righteous when we couldn't be, you were faithful when we chose not to be, that you are, you are the one, the Son of God, the Messiah, who lived a perfect life, who died a complete death, 
and under the mighty power of God, defeated death and was resurrected on the third day. Father, we recognize that this morning. And Father, we remind ourselves this morning that our sin has been forgiven. And we have been invited into a covenant relationship with you where we get to align our lives with you because you are perfection. You are complete righteousness. And you loved us enough to give your life. Nobody took your life. You gave your life on the cross, your blood that was shed for us, the perfect sacrifice. Father God, we thank you for what you've done. And now we lift our voices in worship as we recall and we remember what you did on the cross. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast and thank you for supporting the teaching ministry of New City Church. I mean, if this podcast inspired you and you want to partner with New City, you can give now by clicking the link in the description or visit newcitychurch.com slash podcast for more information. Have a blessed day.